Sean. To do what Hannah suggested that you do the first, the first time with that scripture passage. So I'm going to read the story again. Whoever said the Bible is a dull book. It is one of the most exciting books. And we're going to hear a most exciting event that happened. And the context though is this. Jesus had lost his cousin. His cousin had been beheaded because he'd told one of the Herods off because he'd um, taken his brother's wife and he'd been beheaded and then Jesus had gone to a quiet place probably to have a think and to grieve but the crowd followed him and the crowd grew and grew so huge he ended up asking his disciples to feed them all and many thousands were fed then he sent the disciples away Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat. Oh, sorry, what I mean to say was, if you're not very accustomed to the Bible, if you're not accustomed to reading the Bible, just close your eyes and do what Hannah said. Just imagine. But if you want to, if you want to read it, it's on page 981 in the Pew Bibles, if you want to follow it. Sorry, start again. Jesus walks on the water. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. During the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You have little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the, into the boat, The wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. And I'm just going to read two verses from the book of Proverbs, chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. Very apt in this situation. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, And lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. This is the word of the Lord.
you, Sean. Well, a memorable passage this morning, uh, certainly uh, memorable for Peter, uh, walking on water. When was the last time that you went for a walk on water? I remember the last time I did it. Uh, it was a few years ago now. It was at Nantararian, uh, and we had gone up there as a family, and I walked across the lake there without getting my feet wet. Of course, I have to admit, it was a very cold winter's day, and the lake was frozen solid, uh, but technically, and in chemistry, it's still water, and I think it still counts that I've walked on water. Um, Peter has a chance of doing it in the middle of a storm at sea, which is a little bit different, uh, and this is a fantastic thing. In our year of discipleship, we're in a little mini-series about God's promises, his promises to us when life gets hard, in the storms of life. And that's why we're looking at this little passage today. We remind ourselves that God is always in control. Even when the storms and the difficulties and the problems come, we can rely on him and need to look to him. That was what the disciples had to learn here, uh, particularly Peter, and we're going to look at that story together. It's a story of faith, a learning process for them as they move from struggling without Jesus to worshipping him and confessing him as the Son of God. That's the journey that they go on, and that's what we're going to look at together this morning. So as we begin, let's just pray. Heavenly Father, as we look at this journey of faith that we see the disciples going on, we pray that you will speak to us as we look at the issues that they faced and as we look at what's going on in our life. Help us to this morning to refocus and to fix our eyes once more on you, knowing that we can trust you completely. Amen. So this morning, here's this journey of faith that the disciples are undergoing, um, and we can learn about our own journey as we go through. There are six stages, so a double sermon for you this morning, not three points, but six. That's two for the price of one, how about that? Here, Peter is struggling, sighting, stepping out, sinking, saving, and finally speaking out. So six S's for you to remember here. And maybe one of these, more than the others, will speak to you and your particular situation that you're going through and will be particularly relevant to you today. So we start at the beginning of the passage. Jesus, uh, we put it into context, as Shah did earlier, Jesus is trying for a second time to get some time alone. He's been bereaved. His cousin John the Baptist has been put to death by Herod. And in the first part of the chapter, we read about him trying to escape the crowds by going in a boat so he can be alone. The problem is, as he set off on boats, the crowds followed him round the shore. And when he arrived, it was full of people, a vast crowd, which he fed, the feeding of the 5,000. So this time Jesus tries plan B. This time I'll send the disciples away in a boat and I'll go up in a mountain to be alone so I can pray, thinks Jesus. And as the passage begins with Jesus gone, this is where we pick it up. The disciples are struggling. Verse 24, the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Reading those words, it struck a chord with me. I wonder if you two have been there a long way from safety, buffeted by the waves, feeling that everything is against you. That was how the disciples here felt without Jesus alone on the lake. 
three things there. Right? They were very similar to what happens for us. They were a long way from land, a long way from safety. They were in a dangerous place. Maybe that's where you are today, in a dangerous place. Secondly, they're buffeted by the waves. Their small boat was being hit repeatedly by the waves, by the water. Sometimes our life is like that, isn't it? We get problem after problem. We think we could cope with one thing, but it just keeps coming at us again and again. Yet another hit, another thing coming here. That's what the disciples were facing, yet another wave. We've survived that one. Here comes another one. This one looks even bigger. How are we going to survive again? And then thirdly, it said the wind was against them. When this is mentioned in the other Gospels, it talks about the disciples rowing. Uh, and they were rowing against the wind and not getting very far. You know, it's like going against the wind. When I worked out in St. Avon, uh, I used to enjoy cycling out to work. And people often ask me about the hills. Oh, how do you cope with the hills on the way? And I would say, hills are fine when you're on a bike. Yeah, it's a bit hard work going up the hill, but you've got the going down the hill the other side to look forward to. For every foot you climb one way, you're going to go down the hill the other way. That's okay. But what I hated was the wind. I was going in one direction mainly, and if I set out with the wind against me, I knew it was going to be a long ride. It's really hard. Those who cycle know it's cycling into the wind. And even when you're sort of trying to coast down the hills, it doesn't seem to work because the wind is, is blowing you back and it's consistent and it's against you. And it becomes a struggle. The disciples here struggling against the wind. It was all going against them. Sometimes our life feels like that, doesn't it? Whatever we do, however we're trying to make progress, it's all going against us and it's hard work. And it calls for peace and perseverance. That daily grind of our lives can get us down, even without the crises and problems that come. Just the effort of daily life can all be a bit too much. Here they were, a long way from land, buffeted by waves, the wind against them. So maybe that resonates with you today, struggling, struggling with the problems of life, facing illness, pain, financial worries, decisions, uncertainty. Life is tough without Jesus in the boat. The disciples struggled and fought a losing battle until Jesus came into the boat with them. So maybe that's the first thing to think through today. Is that the first thing we need to do? To invite Jesus into the boat. What happened when he got into Peter's boat? The wind died down, but there was still some distance from land. There was still a bit of work to do to row to the shore, but things were certainly much easier with Jesus than without him. If you're struggling today and you're facing some of those things, we'd love as a church to pray with you. And at the end of the service, our prayer ministry team will be in the side chapel over on this side and they'd be happy to pray with you and help you with those problems. Struggling. The passage begins with struggling. But it doesn't stop there, does it? As it as the disciples struggled, Jesus is sighted. They catch sight of Jesus walking towards them on the lake. In the darkness of the night, that must have been quite a scary sight to see a, an apparition walking towards them across the lake. They think they're seeing a ghost. And Jesus calls out to them and tells them, don't be afraid. Because God sometimes can be scary. We come here today to worship an all-powerful, almighty God. That can be scary. It's awe-inspiring. When we become aware of how powerful, how big he is, when we realise how sinful we are and how, 
how much there is a gap between us and God, how different he is to us. That can get us scared, afraid, afraid to come close. And here the disciples seeing Jesus walking on the water, this isn't like an ordinary person, this is somebody completely different, we're not sure about this, and they start screaming in terror and calling out. Jesus reassures them, don't be afraid. Though our God is almighty, he's powerful, he is completely holy, and we are unworthy sinners, that shouldn't put us off from encountering God today because of the work of Jesus, which has bridged that gap. It means that we are and become children of God. Isaiah, the prophet, reminds us, come, come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. You have no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money, without cost. And that invitation is not scary. Come. Jesus made it clear then, don't be afraid, he said. Don't be afraid. Come to God. A sinking, uh, a struggling, a sighting. Uh, next we have uh, a stepping out. After Peter meets with Jesus here, when he knows it's Jesus, he's ready to step out in faith. And that's very challenging, isn't it? Are we ready to follow the example of Peter here and step out in faith? Peter not only, as some commenters say, not only stepped out of his comfort zone, he stepped out of the boat completely and started to walk on water. What's really interesting to see here, he didn't have complete faith, did he, in what was going on here, but he could still step out. It wasn't like his faith had reached a perfect level and he was the one of the disciples saying, yep, I can go out now and walk on water, I have the faith to do so. He starts off with an if in his question, Lord, if it is you, because I'm not really sure, because I don't have that complete trust, I'm not 100% sure that this is right. If it is you, tell me to come to you. When we come to God, we don't have to wait till we suddenly have an amazing faith. We can pray, God, if you are there, I want to come to you. To put the word if in your prayers isn't the problem. As we see here, Lord, if it is you, tell me to come to you. But if you do, Peter was impetuous. I'm not sure he thought through what he, was, what he was saying here. He often spoke before thinking, as we know from the Gospels. You need to be ready to be called. Jesus' reply was simple. Come, come. And Peter, that was the command, had to get out of the boat. I don't know whether he had second thoughts then, but he went. I think if I'd have been there, uh, Hannah asked us to think about where we would be in this. I think I'd be firmly in the boat. Um, I would have invited Jesus to join me in the boat rather than wanting to go out for a walk across the sea. Are we ready, though, to step out in faith if God calls you? And that's the interesting thing, if God calls you. Many years ago, a man called John Ortberg wrote a book called If You Want to Walk on Water, You've Got to Get Out of the Boat. Uh, some of you I know have read that. It became a, a big bestseller, particularly in Christian circles. On my bookshelf at home, I have another book by Jeff Lucas, which is entitled If You Want to Walk on Water, Consider Staying in the Boat, uh, which takes a different perspective too. Uh, I like that second title maybe better. Um, Peter stepped out because Jesus called him. The others in the boat 
weren't invited. I'm sure they're probably very grateful not to be invited. You know, Go on, Peter, well, let's see if you can do it. Uh, we'll watch from here. Peter was called to walk on the water. The others stayed in the boat. And note, when Jesus gets in the boat, there's no rebuke from Jesus about you lot who stayed dry here, you lot who didn't get out of the boat. No, that was fine. It's great to be Peter and walk out of the boat, but it was okay to stay in the boat too. That was fine. Just imagine if they'd all got out of the boat. The boat would have floated off, no one would to, uh, to steer it, and it would be the other side of the lake before they, they got over there. It needed someone to stay in the boat. The others were still rowing, still keeping against the wind. They were still trying to keep it in place and holding the boat steady and stopping it sinking. There was a job for them to do too. It was Peter who was called. And the key thing here is obedience. Are we willing to do what Jesus asks us? Whether that's to go or whether that's to stay. Because obedience is the key thing here. We started in with trust and obey. Our first hymn this morning, obedience is the key. In John Ortberg's book, uh, he puts this in context about getting out the boat. He says, Matthew is not glorifying risk-taking for its own sake. Jesus is not looking for bungee jumping, hang gliding, tornado chasing followers. This is not a story about extreme sports. It's about extreme discipleship. Are you willing to do what God wants you to do? Are you willing to step out if that is what God calls you to? Are you willing to stay put if that is what God calls you to do? It's lovely to have Rachel with us this morning, uh, one of the people who heard Jesus saying, come, and went off to another country to serve God there and work there. And we'll be hearing from you, I hope, in the next couple of weeks or so here. And that's fantastic. I came to this church 36 years ago, as some of you know, and I knew this was where God wanted me to be. I didn't know that one day I would end up being one of the vicars. That's another story. But I knew God wanted me to be here and to stay here. Some of us, God calls to go. Some of us, God calls to stay. The key thing is the obedience. One of the disciples here, Peter, was called to go, get out of the boat, come and walk, and he was obedient and went. The others stayed in the boat, and that was okay too. Important points to learn. A struggling, a sighting, a stepping out, and then we get to this interesting, we get the sinking. Uh, Peter and the disciples, they, well, they were struggling at the beginning without Jesus. They see him, and Peter sets off across the lake to him. Is this the end of their troubles? Jesus is now here. Life should be okay. But no. As we see, Peter, walking on the water, starts to sink. Coming to Jesus doesn't mean the end of all of our problems. Christians get ill, they suffer, have problems like everybody else. Peter comes to Jesus, but still there's a storm. He realises he's out walking on a lake, far from safety. He starts to think about the winds and the waves and the storm. He stops thinking about his task, walking to Jesus, and he starts to sink. By nature, I'm a details person. Sometimes I look at the, the intricate details rather than see the, the big picture, and I get easily distracted. And I have to confess, when I'm preparing a sermon, it's the same. I go off 
down lots of rabbit holes and investigate little bits uh, that, that confuse me or challenge me or make me think that I'm probably nothing to do with the topic in point. When I looked at this passage during the week, it was on Thursday, um, I was first sidetracked by Jesus' words of, it is, it is I. And I thought, wouldn't it be nice and more friendly to say, it's me. But of course, uh, Jesus, being perfect, knows to use the nominative pronoun here rather than the technically incorrect accusative pronoun which we normally use in informal things. And so I was distracted for a while and went off down that. And then I was distracted by verse 30, which said, when Peter saw the wind, and I had to go back and look at the Greek and look at all the things like this, I thought, you can't see the wind. It's invisible. The Bible says here Peter sees the wind, but the wind is invisible. You can see the effect of the wind. You can see what the wind's doing. But here it said Peter saw the wind. I thought, what's going on here? And I got sidetracked. And you know, I thought, I'm just being Peter here. I'm getting sidetracked by looking at the wrong thing. My focus was wrong. Peter here set off and he was looking at Jesus. And while he was looking at Jesus, it was all okay. While he saw the wind, or rather the effect of the wind, and he looks down and he sees the waves, then it's then he starts to sink. He's taken his eyes off Jesus. He stopped looking to Jesus and stopped look, started looking at the waves and the storm. And how often do we do that? To take our eyes off Jesus and start panicking and worrying about all of the problems. Elaine was preaching on this a few minutes ago in St. Myra in her perfect Welsh. She reminded us, Rydyn i chwilio ein silw ar yesi. We need to fix our eyes on Jesus, she reminded us. And that's, that's what's come out of this, isn't it? Is Peter looking in the wrong place and he starts to sink. And I always wonder how that happened, the sinking bit. Because if you look at the Bible stories you have as children, you see Peter and he's walking and he's sort of getting slowly deeper and it sort of comes up to his, over his feet and then he gets up to his ankles and then he might be sort of, sort of up to his knees in the water somehow. But I'm not sure that was exactly how it happened because calls out here that he calls out to God to save him in panic. So I think it's probably more of a walk, walk, splash, uh, and straight down in the water probably, come uh, a cropper in, in, in the water. So it's probably more like that because of his sudden crying out to Jesus to be saved. I think it was only ankle deep. I'm not sure he'd be panicking too much. So I think it was a, I don't know. We, how it happened, I don't know, but he was very scared. So when we seek to follow Christ, let's not be surprised that the storms are still there. But make sure we don't take our eyes off Jesus and get distracted, because that's easy to do. That's the way to sink. So a struggling, a sighting, a stepping out, a sinking, but of course that's not the end of Peter, is it? Sunk beneath the waves. We read that lovely word, immediately. Immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. That's what our God is like when it does go wrong and when we take our eyes off Jesus and we start seeing the problems and when we fall God is there to rescue us so if you feel you're sinking today follow the example of Peter here call out to Jesus Lord help me rescue me I can't cope I've taken my eyes off you bring me back and straight away Jesus will be there amidst those stormy waves alongside And together they climb into the boat and the wind dies down. I wonder what the other disciples thought of it all as they watched the whole event from the relative safety of the boat. Peter's journey of faith as they watched and reflected on it.
just one more thing as we finish to this passage, isn't it? After the struggling, the sighting, the stepping out, the sinking and the saving, there's a speaking out. There's a declaration that this Jesus really is special. Verse 32, when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. For those of us that are made that walk a face to Jesus, there's a job to do here in declaring him as Lord. We thought earlier, didn't we, about Peter who went out and the others who stayed in the boat. And now we see these boat people, these boat people have got it right. These disciples in the boat, they're doing the most important thing. Those who were in the boat worshipped him. They declared, you are the Son of God. We're here today in church to do that most important thing. We are here to worship Jesus, to declare him the Son of God. That's our primary calling, to revel in who he is, to delight in his company. That's why we're here, to worship and to proclaim this good news. Jesus is the Son of God. So that's a lot, isn't it, in Peter's story. A struggling without Jesus, the sighting of Jesus, the stepping out in faith, the sinking as he takes his eyes off Jesus, the saving as Jesus grabs him. And then that speaking out of the people who've seen all of this, that they come to realise truly he is the Son of God. So a challenge for us, let's all be ready to step out in faith, to be obedient to God. And in the midst of the storms of life, to remember to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the example of Peter who stepped out of this boat in faith. We pray that you will help us to be willing to do the same and always to keep our eyes fixed upon Jesus so that we do not start to sink in the storms of life. We pray that you'll give us opportunities to tell others of all that you have done for us, to declare you as Lord. This we ask in the name of your Son, Jesus, our Rescuer. Amen.